This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the number one diesel truck podcast on iTunes. I want to thank you guys for all the support and the new follows that we've been getting on Instagram and Facebook and show suggestions. And this episode is a direct result of that. We had a bunch of people message into us and they wanted us to talk with Matt Sancher from Sancher Performance about his new billet input shaft. And it's something that's really cool. And the five nine guys out there, or if you got a six seven and you did a, a 48 RE swap, you're going to be interested as well. And that's how they were able to come up with a new billet input shaft that's designed to hold a ton of power. And it's not just for race applications. You can also run it on a daily driver. And so we're going to go through the, the engineering behind it, what made him think to, to do this shaft, you know, his, his truck and things he went through with it. So we know you guys are going to love this episode. Before we get to it, though, we want to thank two of our sponsors that help make episodes like this possible. First is BD Diesel Performance. Make sure and head on over to dieselperformance.com. Check out a ton of different products they have from injectors and electronics and hard parts and transmission pans tons of different things and you can search by year make and model and also diesel world magazine make sure you go to dieselworldmag.com bookmark that page with race season coming up bunch of events are going to be going to be happening and they're covering it all so if you want to know the latest about races products builds reviews tons of things those guys got it all right let's get to the podcast with matt and talking about this new billet input shaft matt welcome to the diesel podcast today we're going to be talking about the the final fix for the, the 48RE <laughs> input shaft. I'm excited to chat with you today. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> well, we've uh, we've uh, primed Diesel Nation in, on social media, and we told them we were going to be chatting about this new billet input, which I think it addresses a lot of different issues. Like, you know, 5.9s are... I kind of like the holy grail of diesel performance, and especially, I think, over the last three or four years, all that can be done with engine technology and fueling and turbos and, and tuning and things like that. And we were talking before about, you know, input shafts. Specifically, I think in, you know, trucks that are making good power and, and trying to make that setup more reliable. And I wanted to ask you about what, what you designed, what you came up with, and have you tell our audience a bit about your input shaft. Awesome. Yeah, it's, so in our experience, we've found uh, that the, the current aftermarket solutions for, for the uh, 48RE and 47RE input shafts, um, they've definitely they've been sufficient for, for some time uh, early on. But uh, like you mentioned, as, as trucks have continued to more and more power and you have more and more uh, street trucks making well over a thousand horsepower and pulling trailers and uh, and really seeing a lot of long-term abuse and, and fatigue uh, that some of the high stress areas and, and common relatively common failure points are just becoming uh, more and more common failure failure locations um, so we had kind of we we'd been fighting fighting the same issues as everyone else. I've I mean I've had twelve or thirteen input shaft failures over the past over the past ten years and I mean that it it adds up. Uh it's definitely a very expensive 
problem to have when when it does occur. You you mean you wipe out the probably wipe out your your stator support and pump and might wipe out your converter and put trash to the trans. So there's a lot that a lot of damage that occurs when when these things break. Um, We've chatted with a lot of you know, racers over the years, and I remember back maybe two or three years ago, and it was like you could get a certain number of passes out of that shaft, and then you're going to be pulling the transmission and the pits, and depending if it's fixable there, <laughs> getting it back, you know, getting the training put back in and trying to finish the race. But then it also extends, I think, to daily driving and even towing. You know, if the if the power level is at a, a certain point. And you've got a full weight truck, maybe bigger tires on. And it's just like, and you're the expert on this, but it's like, there's only so many shock loads that that shaft's going to take. And it's kind of like you see those stories where someone's like, yeah, I got 1200 horsepower and I haven't broke it yet. Well, how many times have you put the power through it? You know, it doesn't necessarily break the first time. It could break the 20th time, the 30th time, the 18th time. You just don't know. And what was so cool about seeing what you have is it's different than anything that's been out there. And, and I wanted to really kind of get into the details of it is what makes this input shaft different? How much larger is it than, you know, say a standard, you know, billet input shaft, what kind of torque and power have you, have you seen it hold up to? Yeah. So as far as the, as far as size goes, it's uh, engine three sixteenths major diameter on the splines. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a very fine, fine 37th spline configuration. So the minor diameter of the shaft is substantially larger in comparison to, say, a, a, cor- a coarser spline, something similar to like the 23 spline um, that came in the in the trucks originally. Um, so the and and the and the minor diameter is is what uh, that that's what dictates the torque carrying capacity of that of that shaft. Um, it's the if you were to look at a cross section, that's going to be your your smallest cross sectional area, and and that's what dictates uh, how much torsional strength that that shaft has. Um, and so what we did was basically increase the size of the shaft as large as we possibly could, um, in combination with the size of the the stator tube, um, so that we could still fit it through the factory pump gear um, with and require minimal minimal modifications on the on the transmission side. We really put a lot of emphasis into uh, ease of assembly for for a, for a trans builder. Um, that way they're not having to either modify or machine components themselves um, and they don't have to replace the pump gear assembly. Um, they can they can really just they can put the thing together just as they would with a a factory um, input shaft configuration. Majority of the changes are on the converter side, um, and and they won't have to they won't have to deal with that. Um, they'll, there's converters available from from multiple uh, converter manufacturers right now, and they can order the components through them and uh, and put the put the trans together just how they how they normally would. So very very minimal changes on on their end. Um, as far as Specific design aspects of the shaft um, that, that really set it apart from the, uh, the factory configuration is obviously it's it's completely solid. Uh, we've been able to eliminate the cross drilled holes and ceiling ring grooves. 
which is what we found to be by far the the highest stress concentration um, of any location on that shaft. Um, and in our in the analysis, uh, the computer FEA that we had ran, it was it was very extensive. I'd, originally, I went down the path of trying to kind of like super optimize that section and and figure out how to how to minimize stress and and still retain those those features. Um, and what I kept coming back to was that section just needed need to get so much larger in relation to the rest of the shaft that you really ran into issues um, in the stator support itself. Um, if you were to kind of look at a cross-section of the, say, like a factory uh, stator support casting, um, if you were to increase that section where the where the stator where the ceiling ring grooves and cross drill holes are, you would have very very little material um, in the in the stator support itself. And then you start kind of it's it's a snowball effect. If you have to um, if you have to change change that section, then you have to change uh, everything everything downstream. Everything has to start getting bigger and bigger, and then you have a whole bunch of additional components and added cost to the setup. So we really wanted to stay away from um, from having to, to increase that section. Um, and what we ended up coming back to was, well, why can't we just why can't we get rid of it? Um, it's not it's not the first first setup that's uh, or first application that has a, a solid input shaft. Um, so it's I mean obviously it's it's been done and it can it can work and in this application, it's proven to work work really well. Uh, we've basically just had to change the fluid transfer flow path to and from the converter, um, and by doing so, we've also been able to address another uh, major issue that's slowly developed. I think and got probably gotten gotten worse over over the years, which is the fluid restrictions through the input shaft um, that. Seems like as the aftermarket industry has has evolved and tried to try to make uh, in, in improvements to the input shafts, they've like decreased the size of the fluid uh, fluid ports, the cross drilled holes, um, the kind of decreased the center fluid passage through the shaft, uh, and and those restrictions have caused has ca have caused new issues um, because as your as your lockup uh, as your, as your lockup piston and the uh, converter applies. You have to be able, you have to dissipate and discharge all the fluid behind it quickly um, in order for the lockup in order for the piston to apply. Um, you have to you have that small amount of motion that occurs uh, to allow the, the frictions to to interface and that fluid volume behind there changes. So in order for a quick lockup to apply uh, and and to minimize slippage. You've got to be able to get that fluid out quickly. Um, so by adding restrictions in line, it kind of it causes the converter clutch to momentarily slip as it's as it's being applied. And every time it does that, you get a little bit of glazing, a little bit more glazing, and that's what that's what causes converter clutch failure, um, especially in the the lower. Well, I guess it's really across the whole spectrum as far as power levels. Um, but you really shouldn't, in tri say a triple disc converter, you sh definitely shouldn't have your five and six and 800 horsepower guys burning up converter clutches. They're they're not doing it because they're making too much power or they can't handle the torque. Um, it's it's definitely due to 
other reasons, and this is definitely a, a major contributor. I mean, there's three frictions um, has plenty of torque carrying capacity, way, way in excess of uh, what what these trucks are making. I mean, it's, there's definitely definitely a, a, a underlying issue. So it's we've been able to address that as a um, an additional um, improvement to overall strength increase of the shaft and reduced stress concentrations and whatnot. So it's been working really well. Uh, we've had a number of uh, a number of trucks over the past uh, over the past year and had had no failures. I mean, which is awesome. I mean, I've, you always every, every time you have a, a new product available, you always wonder who's going to find the first <laughs> issue that you got to address and and how quickly can you make an improvement and and uh, and iterate and haven't really made haven't made any changes so far. So that's been really really exciting. That's what I was going to ask you: is what kind of power and torque is, is the shaft designed to handle? So we've done a lot of our testing on a, a hydraulic torsion testing rig uh, for our fatigue testing, and we've ran it at over 4,000 foot-pounds. Um, and to my knowledge, I don't believe anyone, nobody that I know of is, is making 4,000 foot-pounds. There's definitely some guys making making uh, some huge torque numbers in the in the 3,000-plus range, but I don't think I've seen anybody crack the 4,000 foot-pound mark. And, and if they did, um, they're everything everything else in the in the engine and trans is is uh at its limit and far and far past it um you're so i i don't think that the input shaft is going to be a a common failure anymore it's it's definitely far far superior to what what was available before i gotta ask you is how how'd you come up with this idea what there's always something that kind of necessitates an improvement. What what inspired you or kind of pushed you in this direction to totally rethink and redo? I think what's been a major problem on these trucks and racing or just making, you know, big power with them. It's really been a progressive issue over over the years. I mean, and I had gone through quite a few stages where I was like, all right, you know what, I'm just going to detune the truck a bit. I'm tired of tired of breaking stuff and I'll just um, try to cut it back a little bit and try to get get shafts to last for a couple of years maybe and um, and then I would progressively change my mind and, and start start racing the truck more and and beating on it and then I've just continuously had had failures broke, broken all the all the oversized shafts and uh, multiples of them and obviously all the standard shafts early on so it I think the last the last failure I had was um, was at an event. I just gotten there, was, was getting getting the truck prepped. Uh, went out and went, made made one one start to a pass and immediately broke the input shaft. Um, it was it had to have barely been hanging on. Um, it obviously it had major cracking originally because um, it. I mean I. I was probably making 30 pounds of boost by the when it when it broke. It it barely barely saw any load and 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 broke. So it was it was obviously barely hanging on. Um, and at that point, I just kind of was like, "That's enough." I had enough. I had enough ideas uh, to to make improvements, and that's when I kind of I 
parked the truck. It was over it was over a year that it sat and I was not gonna put it back together until I had something new in it that I had developed and or I stuck to it. It it sat parked for, for over a year, um, before I had it had it up and going. So and it's kind of a good thing because it, it kept me it kept me motivated to to keep keep pushing and and find a good solution and um yes yeah, so that's kind of that's that's definitely that's the story behind it it's just kind of been a, a progressing issue that I was kind of knew there was better things available um but I just never they never came to market and I tried to try to figure things out. What kind of power level is your truck at? It's in the fourteen, fifteen hundred horsepower range. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a full weight, seven thousand pound uh, street truck. I mean, it's, a, it's a, I daily drive it and do quite a bit of racing with it. I mean, I've I've gone six thirty eight um, at one hundred and eleven mile an hour with some one one forty sixty foot. I mean, it's a it's a pretty stout street truck. Um, and I've been putting a hurting on it since I've since I put the shaft in. Uh, <laughs> broken other, broken plenty of other stuff since then. I've uh, torn my transfer case to pieces. It, it demolished demolished the case and uh, snapped the front drive shaft. And I was going down the track at over 100 mile an hour when that thing let loose. And uh, I've stretched main cap fasteners in the in the motor and had to pull it out and get it get it put back together and. No input shaft failures, so I've <laughs> been uh, been happy and haven't had or any other transmission uh, failures as well. Because that's actually that's one other thing that is a pretty substantial uh, design improvement um, is the, the overall length of the shaft uh, has been increased dramatically. Uh, it's uh, it's about it's almost an inch and a half longer in overall length. But the the increased length that the shaft has to deflect over is almost almost four inches really, um, because the the section where you had your cross drilled holes and ceiling ring grooves, since we've eliminated that section, was able to decrease the diameter of it. So it's a very very minimal section change from the the primary diameter of the shaft. So so you've kind of you've added that whole length to the the length of shaft that can that can deflect. So by having having that long that long length, you've effectively got like a like a, a torsional damper uh, in line, and it I think it plays a big role in dampening shock loads for components downstream from the input shaft. I think so. I think that's definitely a, a important thing to mention because I I have heard a few comments from guys saying, oh well, uh, I'm putting in a a much larger input shaft. It's super, super rigid, and um, you're just going to find the next failure point type deal. And that's really, that's really not the case. Um, I mean, it. Yes, it is. It is larger um, in the areas that really count, um, like your your transition from your from your minor diameter to the major diameter, or from your minor diameter of the spline to the primary shaft diameter. Uh, it's actually slightly under the the minor diameter. So you have, I guess the the, the primary length of shaft isn't 
massively increased in relation to uh, say other uh, other aftermarket oversized shafts. It is it is larger, um, but it's not. It's definitely not making a. Uh, it's not causing. It's not causing issues. It's it's really improving uh, the dampening ability of of downstream components. So, I've I've heard that talked about before. I think just over the years with input shafts is they have to have a certain amount of give or or flex. But if it's too rigid, well, then it's just going to snap, and. So I, I know there's there's science that is going to be above <laughs> my ability to comprehend that goes into this, but for the listeners out there, is like that's that's been accommodated and figured into this design, which is I think why everyone's so excited about it is it has it has the ability to hold these power levels in an extreme sense, but you don't need to have a 3,500 foot pound of torque truck to run it. Like there, there, there are people who have issues with billing inputs below a thousand, you know, we're right at a thousand and, and you had touched on it earlier with how expensive it gets. And, and it, it is, you snap an input shaft, maybe you just snap it. It damages a converter. Well, the truck's not moving. You can't, you know, really drive it. So you're going to have to get towed somewhere and they got to take it to a transmission shop and then they're going to pull it and there's labor money there. And then it's like, oh, well, we need a new, a new pump, a new input shaft. There's metal that went through the transmission. We got to clean the whole thing out, rebuild it, put it back together, get it in the truck. And it's like you have that happen a couple times. You've already spent more than what this shaft costs. <laughs> I mean, you have it. You have it happen one time. Yeah. I'm say a standard, a standard input shaft that uh, to to this. I mean, you're you're definitely in the hole uh, by by breaking one one standard size input shaft. You're you're spending more putting more into that trans than if you were to start with start with this setup definitely it's there's a lot of there's a lot of hidden costs it's not just well i'll put another 600 dollars shaft in it and and keep on going it's there's definitely some hidden costs that the guys need to, to think about so unless they're absolutely confident that they are they only need a slight improvement over factory um it's Definitely something they should at least at least look into, and there's no there's no downsides um, that kind of make it a, a race only application. Um, it's not like it's hurting converter flow, and your and your trans is going to get hot if you're driving it on the street and slow traffic or anything like that. It's that's complete opposite. Everything it's, it's really it's all it's all beneficial improvements for street and racing application. It's uh, they're that was another. That was definitely another major design constraint that we wanted to keep in mind. Uh, was that we weren't going to. It wasn't just going to end up being a, a race-only application because there's there's tons of products available like that. That uh, yes, they improve something, but you're giving up something else that uh, in in turn. Um, that's probably more common than not. That's, so. that's one of the things too, like in a general sense, where I'm really passionate about it because I'm an enthusiast first and I've been following trucks and owning trucks and just being around the community for so long is, you know, we think of, Hey, I got this truck. I want to have some fun with it. And we don't mind spending the money on the nice looking turbos or, you know, the injectors, um, all these other things. Right. But when it comes to the transmission, it's like, well, I'm never going to see it. 
it's underneath the truck. I, you know, how am I really going to talk about it? Is it really that cool? Not really, but it's such a hidden cost. And I've seen it with, with friends, with people I know is you can spend thousands of dollars on just by breaking a shaft. You can have the best billet parts in the transmission. Uh, you know, some of the, there's great converter companies out there, great converters and different things you can do with the transmission. But that, that input shaft on the 4748RE is, it is the weak point. And that's why it's so exciting to chat with you and what you've done with this, this transmission and this upgrade is, you know, yeah, I guess people can break build intermediates, build outputs, different things like that, but it's not as common as the input. And I've talked with people where some of them have broken seven, eight, nine, ten of them. And they might have the resources to pull it and, you know, fix it themselves or something. That's still time. That's still money. And that's what's really cool, too, like you mentioned, is it's not, this isn't just for, you know, a 2,000 horsepower truck or 2,500 horsepower truck. Is anyone can use it. And it's worth considering it on a, on a build. The transmission is going to be expensive, you know, to upgrade. There's a lot of money that goes into it. You don't want to have to go through it again. Yep, yep. It's definitely, definitely, it's, it's a substantial investment putting together any any uh, moderately or moderately built transmission. I mean, even if you're not going going all out, they're still still expensive. There's uh, there's a lot of a lot of money tied up in a in a a properly built transmission. So I mean, that's and it's component costs and and labor. So and you're gonna you're gonna pay for both of them when when a shaft breaks. So and honestly, it seems like over the past uh, the past few years, uh, with with guys with uh, the current aftermarket shafts, um, I think as maybe as as guys have tried to make some improvements on them, um, I don't know if they're adjusting their heat treat processes or or whatnot, but I think they're. It, to me, it seems like maybe they're starting to try to heat treat them to a, a higher strength level um, and almost having a, a negative a negative effect um, and causing more damage when they break because I mean, it's all it's a fine line uh, as far as heat treat goes uh, you have, I mean you have your ultimate tensile strength of the material which it is what it is it's not going to change as a constant material property and then you have your yield strength and depending on your heat treat that's what determines the yield strength that you achieve and it's going to be it's guaranteed to be below your ultimate tensile strength um but your but it's it's completely dictated by your heat treat and so the higher strength higher yield strength level you heat treat to um and and that's going to be dependent on on how you how you temper down from your uh, from your like as quenched condition is going to determine how how brittle it is so it's a it's a very fine line. I mean, you want to you want to achieve the, the maximum yield strength that you can without making it too brittle to where it fails prematurely due to a different failure mode like brittle fracture or or something else. Because um, you're going to have a brittle fra- fracture, you're going to have a ductile a ductile failure. And what it seems like guys are trying to do is that to get that little bit stronger uh, yield strength. They're they're heat treating them to a they're pushing the limits and, and trying to get really close to your ultimate tensile strength, and you're definitely in the in the extremely extremely brittle range. Um, and as they're failing, they're wiping out uh, other components 
almost guaranteed um, and kind of breaking in like a uh, you know breaking in like a, in a spiral fracture and just kind of uh, almost exploding outwards and, and shattering stator tubes and impeller hubs and everything else where where before if they were a little bit more on the ductal side uh, they'd break off a little more cleanly maybe they maybe you'd it wouldn't wipe out your stator support and stuff. You would just have uh, maybe the end of the shaft would broke off in the converter, but if you can get it out, maybe you can salvage your converter. Um, but it seems like that's happening less and less these days uh, as maybe as the, as the different current aftermarket manufacturers are trying to, to push the limits and get that, that last little bit of, uh, of strength that they can. Um, so it, it seems like in the past, it, in the past couple of years, maybe it's just because I'm, and I follow following it more closely um, <laughs> that some of the failures have been pretty pretty horrific they definitely have caused some major major damage um, that it's definitely not just going to be the cost of a shaft itself um, so well and and if you really really want to see an upset diesel truck owner is have them spend five to ten grand on a transmission and go out on first couple wide open throttle runs and snap a shaft and there it's bad go put trash trash all through the trans and (laughs) all your all your brand new components that were nice and fresh and brand new that probably aren't going to get replaced um (laughs) you've you've done you've it's i think it happens more often than guys uh guys want to uh care to think about when they're trying to decide should I spend should I spend a little more money and kind of more or less have a have an insurance policy, um, or hope that uh, hope that it that it hangs in there? I mean, it's it's uh, definitely I think it's a decision that a lot of guys probably have a tough time making the call on, but it definitely seems like there was a need for a better solution um, and. We'll, uh, we'll definitely continue to, to get more feedback and data from uh, from the races over the next next couple of race seasons, and if there's anything that we can do to iterate and improve on the design, we we definitely will. Um, as of right now, I've been been really happy with it. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that the next manufacturing run of them is going to have any changes, and we're going to stick with what we've what we've been able to, to prove so far and um, it'll some, something else would have to come up for uh, for us to want to make any any changes but we're always open to open to suggestions and improvements and lots of uh, definitely lots of intelligent transmission builders out there I mean since we've since we've re- released the product I've, I mean, I've been able to talk to tons of guys that I never never would have otherwise um, different shop owners and trans builders, and um, definitely, it's been really interesting to talk to talk to all these guys and, and pick their brains and listen to all the different experiences they've had over the years. And um, it's been definitely been uh, an exciting process. When it comes to the converter, it's just, I think that's another part where there's a lot of loyal, a lot of brand loyalty. <laughs> almost as much as Ford Ram or, or GM. What now when when somebody orders your input shaft, what do they get and what converters will it work with? So when they order the shaft, um depending on I mean depending on where they what say they order say they order it directly from us, 
they they get the shaft with the with the hub installed, and they would get the stator support assembly, um, and they would purchase a compatible torque converter uh, from one of the primary manufacturers. You have DPC, Suncoast, BD, um, Gorend, and and they've all they all built 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 converters for them. Um, they've all been been working working really well. Uh, they're familiar with the components available. Uh, we're we're and we're providing the compatible convert compatible converter components for them to build build with um, and it's uh, nothing that it's not it's not a, a huge incre cost increase to the to the converter themselves um, I, think it, I believe on average it's been maybe an extra 150 or 200 dollars per per converter um, and they can just they can go to their Either their current converter manufacturer, if they're going to be sending in their converter to get rebuilt, um, or they can order order a new one. Um, it's truly up to them. I mean, I've, Phil at DPC he got involved early, early on. Uh, he was he was awesome to work with. He sent me sent me converters and whatever I needed uh, to test with. I mean, he's built a ton of them, and and now, uh, like you said, they're Lots, lots of brand, lots of brand loyalty as far as converters go. Uh, so <clears throat> there was lots of guys that were diehard Suncoast or diehard BD or Gorend or, um, and once they've once they've started running something and 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 had good luck with it, it's they don't want they don't want to change. Um, so kind of uh, definitely uh, forces to have to. Um, Make available other 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 brand converters for for guys, and I mean it's been, I mean everyone has been really really open to work with, and and uh, they've all been able to easily adapt to adapt to the changes and, and integrate into the converters. So it's been a actually a, a really seamless process. I never would have uh, anticipated it going so smoothly. Actually, um, early on, whenever I was first kind of starting things before. Uh, really working with with any of them, I was <clears throat> that was always something that was in my head as like, well, uh, am I going to need my own converter to to work with it? I actually <laughs> at the same time I started <coughs> I had started developing a, a bolt together converter um, right when I started the input shaft development, um, and that was that was the original plan. Honestly, was to have my converter and input shaft, and that was the route I was going. Um, and to get things going quicker, I was—I mean, I had, I had ran DPC converters in my in my truck prior. I <clears throat> called up Phil, and he was uh, really interested and super helpful. And um, so to get things going quicker, he had he built me a converter uh, with with my parts and got out, and I started running it. And I was like, man, this works. It's working really well. Um, so I kind of just put my bolt together converter on hold for a little while, um, and it was. Just afterwards, that it seemed like the diesel industry started catching on, and and then multiple bolt together converters were were becoming available from uh, from different guys like BD and Goran and whatnot. So I just kind of set that off on the side burner and focused on the shaft, and it kind of uh, process just kind of kind of went on, and 
decided to just let the uh, current converter manufacturers do their thing, and and they have their can help out with distribution and because um, at some point, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, hu a huge sales staff, and and it would be, I guess, ideal for me to to manufacture and and provide the components to these guys, and they can help out with the the distribution, and um, everyone can everyone can be happy. <laughs> so. <laughs> And for any of the, our listeners out there, like you know, what, I've I've been having input shaft issues. I'm ready. I'm ready to try this. Or there's a a shop out there, or you know, even a, a converter company. It's like, hey, I wanna I wanna be able to you know offer a converter for this. What's the best way to to get in contact with you guys? Is it is it social media? Is it you know calling in, sending you guys an email? How do people find you? Yeah, I mean that's honestly social media has been. Uh, definitely the primary means of communication. Um, I hadn't really hadn't put out a put out a, a, a contact phone number for for everyone to contact me at uh, to try to so I can f keep focusing on development and manufacturing and whatnot. Um, but honestly, it seems like I mean Facebook messaging. I mean that's in ninety nine percent of the communication. Um, honestly, I think even if I had phone number and everything available for guys, I'd still probably get more uh, <laughs> Facebook messages than anything else. I mean, I wouldn't really thought that, but I definitely became much more active on, on social media than I ever had been before, answering messages and trying to I try to do my best to keep up with uh, different comments and things that the guys have online and questions and, and whatnot. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of discussions and things that I that I miss or I get too late, um, but I try my best to, to to answer questions that everybody has. And, um, so only so many so many hours in the day. <laughs> what's uh, what's your Facebook and Instagram name? Uh, Instagram is Sancher underscore Performance, and then uh, Sancher Performance Development LLC um, on on Facebook is the business page, and then also my personal uh, Facebook is Matt Sancher, um, and Sancher is spelled S-A-N-T-J-E-R. Uh, probably not the not the easiest last name to spell, but it's uh, there's not a whole lot of other Sanchers out there that I know of. <laughs> well, I know. If you can't uh... figure out how to spell it. It's probably easy to find if you can search it. So. <laughs> I know you got a lot of uh, loyal fans out there. We got we had a lot of people reach out to us, and they're guys with you know big power trucks. So like, you got to talk to Matt. You got to talk to him about this input shaft, and and it was it was cool to be able to connect with you and and talk about it and and see all the engineering that went into it and, and the thought and the the testing, and then how many people are running it and. You know who's going to be running it at UCC and DPC and through, you know ODSS and just tons of different things. And we've had a lot of guests on that that are running, running uh, your input shaft, which I didn't know. But when we posted up on Instagram and Facebook, these former guests are like, "Hey, I'm running that. It's awesome. You know, I'm going to be testing it here and doing this." So, so it's really cool. And, and I would encourage people who are listening that if they've been through these issues or they just want to have the best transmission setup they can for their 5.9, or if they've done a, a 6.7 swap, or a 48 swap on their 6.7, it's definitely worth looking into. 
for a lot of reasons, but especially because of what it can cost to break input shafts. And it's, it, it's one of those hidden things like we talked about earlier where people may not think about it, but you have it happen a, once or a few times and you're several thousand dollars into it. And it's, it, it, it's cool to see a solution where it doesn't need to happen. Now, you know, you can get the transmission, put it in the truck, go race, and you're going to find other things, whether it's, you know, like you talked about with the engine or turbos or just different things. We'll focus on that instead of, you know, the transmission shearing an input shaft, you know, when you launch or you go race and have fun and then you go to drive work the next day and you go down the street and pop, there it goes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely, there's always going to be other other components that are that are at their limit. I mean, at at some of these power levels, damn near everything's at at its limit. Um, and if if we can address one of the primary issues, uh, it'll give us give us more time to to work on on some of the others. I mean, there's always going to be other ones. I mean, but I, I do think it's important to note that it's not it's definitely not going to kind of just shift the issues downstream or make any of them more worse. So, I mean, I, I think I've, I've heard a fair amount of guys kind of mention, um, I don't know, almost kind of treat the input shaft as like a fuse, <laughs> kind of like it's going to prevent them from breaking more expensive things downstream type, type mentality. And I really think that's, that's not a good approach to look at it because, um, as we've talked about, that's that's a pretty expensive fuse. Um, I mean, maybe maybe you could look at like an output shaft like that. Maybe a, maybe say a standard size output shaft. If you if you really want a fuse, I mean, at least at least that doesn't cause as much damage when it breaks. True. Um, but the input shaft is probably not a place that you want to have a a sacrificial um, component, even if uh, even if you're trying to know, protect things downstream from it, um, it's. I think I've, I've definitely I've heard it a handful of times, and I always kind of cringe when when guys start uh, start going down that down that path. Um, but everyone's everyone's gonna is obviously open to their own own opinions, and um, we'll definitely have to. Be interesting to see. How things how things progress, and definitely look forward to getting more more feedback and data from guys as as more and more guys run them. Um, we have a handful of trucks out at ECC running them, so that's going to be real exciting to see. I'll be I've got my plane ticket booked. I'm going to fly out there, and obviously I'm I'm not competing, um, not with a not with a street truck, um, <laughs> but it's going to be definitely a good time out there. Uh, Checking out all the action and and seeing what kind of what kind of power these guys put down on the dyno and, and that's that's going to be a pretty uh, pretty substantial test on as far as the, the shafts go. I mean, a lot of times they're not making that those tor- well they're definitely not making those torque numbers going down the track. Um, if they did, they I mean they they wouldn't they wouldn't be hooking up they. Would have other issues. So there, when they when they load them down, a uh, real low RPM on the on the dyno, and and they're trying to get as big a torque numbers as they possibly can. That's <clears throat> definitely hard on 
everything in line in the in the powertrain. Um, I mean, the big big torque numbers like that is 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 definitely the killer. I mean, they can guys can can get by when they're turning five or six grand, uh, but when they're when they're turning low RPM and making big big torque numbers, that's that's the killer for sure. So it'll be it'll be cool to see some of these guys give their all and see what kind of what kind of torque numbers they can put down this year. Well, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to chat with us today, answer these questions, and and uh, a lot of those guys that message into us are like, hey, you got to talk to Matt, get him on there, ask him about the input shaft. They'll be able to 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 hear some of the details that, that people are going to want to know, and and uh, yeah, it'd be cool to chat with you, you know, maybe after race season and and see uh, see what you think, see what kind of feedback you got, um, and just just hear more about it. You know, so it's it was cool to to chat with you and, and learn more about this setup. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you having me having me on the show and talking to you, and definitely look forward to talking to you in the future. Give you some updates, and hopefully we have some no, some uh, some new things to talk about, and I think maybe maybe some new new products in the in the future. So it's always always going to be new issues to address so keep on keep on plugging along and see what see what we can come up with don't forget diesel fans make sure and head on over to dieselperformance.com check out what bd diesel has for your truck and also dieselworldmag.com bookmark that page or pick up an issue and you can stay up to date on the latest in racing products builds and tons of different things till next time keep the shiny side up